You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet, and it comes in a variety of cartridges, including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06, and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com. And while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. 12, 12, JP. 12 different seed types all in one sweet little food plot. And it's amazing how well it works. Make sure you check your geographical locations on the back of that bag. Know when to plant. In our area, it's that first week of September, maybe last week of August. But as soon as it starts sprouting, the deer will key in on one of those seed types all the way through the fall. And if you think you don't have enough space, think again. They sell it in quarter-acre bags. They call it a kill plot for a reason. They call it the deadly dozen for a reason. Check it out, guys, www.realworldwildlifeproducts.com. You can order directly from them, but I would recommend finding a local dealer. Support local businesses, especially in a year like 2020. These guys need your help. It's probably not their day job, and uh, this may be putting their kids through college. So check them out. Get on there. Find a dealer. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know that, you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there in the <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Leanne Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Hey, this is Craig Fitz of Crane Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Pro Talk Outdoors. Uh, it never fails when we get this board dialed in right, quote unquote. I will sound check myself before we start recording, and it looks great. And then I kick it off and I blow it out. You get a little excited, I think. You get well, I, I, I like to come with enthusiasm, you know. I went to school for this stuff. I like to bust out of the gate strong. And I'm I'm more kind of laid back and just kind of easy, I easy, guess, mellow kind of. I, I guess that's the case. Well, speaking of, of mellow, uh, maybe mellow in the wrong way, right now our situation. It's, it's melancholy. Our, our, yeah, there it is. <laughs> our situation in Kentucky is melancholy. Uh we don't have a whole lot showing up on camera. We've got two quality bucks, not necessarily uh, giants, but two quality shooter bucks on camera that are coming in the middle of the night. And uh, you get over there today, actually, to get a head start on busting some ground up and had a 
pretty rough go at it with the tractor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to kind of back up, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about uh, <clears throat> we're doing some uh, some testing uh, for real world on some uh, some new potential new products that they may bring out to market. And one of them we put over there, and uh, it's an acre, and and it was. Uh, I think it was doing okay. I think it was doing really well. It got about but, three weeks' worth of growth. And... Well, here's the problem. The landowner goes in, and unbeknownst to us, he bush-hogged it. So then I'm like, well, hey, at least we've got the camera that was on it that we can check to see how it was looking before it got bush-hogged, what kind of deer were hitting it, you know, were there any turkeys in it, just to kind of give some good feedback. Sure. Camera was stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, and, and this is actually on top of the fact that we showed up there to do those plantings, and a lot of our bedding area had been bush hogged and mowed down that we'd spent a year and a half getting back to where it needed to be. Uh, one of the areas that we had plans to put uh, plots in had, had just been destroyed. Um, and, yeah. and, and I shouldn't say it so negatively because he's been very gracious to allow us to hunt and and treat that property like it was our own and now when he wants to put a home site on it he's got every right to do so and and we wish the best for him to do that we just wish we would have known it was going to happen before we put in a lot of legwork i mean it's just it's real world scenarios that we're dealing with over there and um you know i mentioned you you were kind of shocked to hear i um one of our mineral sites um Same it, property, folks. Yeah, same property. Our mineral site, and, and this this site has been dynamite early season. This is uh, its fourth season. Yeah, uh, the buck that uh, we call the mayor that I passed up on last year uh, in November, he was a regular on this mineral site last week of August, first week of September, and it's right next to a little pond, and I'm thinking, man, that might be the ticket. The mayor, I expect to be a freaking giant this year. I mean, I expect him to blow up. He was a really, really quality three-year-old, I think, uh, last year. So, I mean, I expected him to look really good. I'm talking 150, 160 class deer possibly. And um, I go to pull the card on the mineral site. And I, you know, you get this sinking feeling when you're walking up to an area where they're are no cows, should be no cows, and you got cow dung everywhere. I'm talking everywhere. Yeah, Smell I mean, like the, you're right in the middle of the cow lot, you the, know? The size of a footstool. A few years ago when Eric and I went to Nebraska hunting Miriam turkeys and, and we went and hunted in the quote-unquote feed lot where all the cows were, and we were we were turtling that, that double bull blind right through the cow crap, you know? Felt like I was back there. I was having flashbacks, man. So I, PTSD kind of deal. I, and, okay, now let's fast forward back to how I opened this up. Uh, a, a segregated portion of this property, it's it's kind of up on another ridge, you know, with a giant gully, valley, whatever you want to call it, between the two. Uh, we were going to put a food plot in for the first time. This ground had never been touched before. We sprayed it off. You get over there with the tractor today, and what happened? Tractors broke down. <laughs> it was, were you even able to get it back on the trailer? I didn't even get it off the trailer. And that, that was, I guess, the the beautiful thing of it is at least I didn't have that kind of problem. But uh, I went, uh, as soon as I went to unhook, I unhooked the straps and uh, walked around. I was getting ready to climb up on the tractor. And I was like, mm, that's not right. When you smell strong diesel fuel smell and you see a big puddle of diesel fuel underneath your tractor, you're like, eh, I better fix that real quick. 
And uh, so, you know, I take the uh, side cover off the tractor and I start messing with the, uh, uh, I see that it's coming from the fuel filter, you know, the bulb that retains the, the fuel there and that kind of thing. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe it just kind of vibrated loose or something. So I'm kind of playing with it a little bit and, and man, it just starts pouring out. I mean, I'm talking pouring straight out. And uh, so I shut, I get the, I have the, the fuel shutoffs right there. So I shut the fuel off. Thankfully that stopped it. So I take it apart and I clean it up and I, you know, I just, I take everything off. I chase it all the way back to the fuel pump and think that I've got it fixed, put it back together, turn that fuel back on and it's just starts leaking like a sieve again. It's all over the place. So I, I look, I'm no tractor mechanic. Uh, I can do basic maintenance on it and, you know, I can kind of see where the trouble's coming from and try to troubleshoot it. But there's something going on there that I can't see with the naked eye. And um, I don't know. So parts ordered. Hopefully it'll fix it. I don't know. It's That doesn't look like it's going to be in anytime soon. So, I mean, here's the shame of and it. And what's anytime soon? Is that a week, two weeks, a month? Probably two weeks. You okay. know, and realistically, if it's, if it's two weeks, I don't, I don't know if it's even worth our time to, you know, to plant that. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. Ideally in Kentucky every year, we, we've kind of got this philosophy that, um, you know, we'll, we'll go over and we'll put, we'll put maximizer down. We'll run cameras over the maximizer and then, uh, you know, we'll add some corn or some complete feed to it and just kind of see if we can get a mature buck that's hitting it in daylight. You know, and if they do, we try to key in on that the first couple of days of season and, and uh, play the wind right, make sure our setup's there. We don't have that this year. I mean, like you mentioned, we've got a couple mature bucks coming in, but it's, you know, when they come in and they're hitting at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., you, you might as well no forget have no idea how far they're even coming it from. might as well forget it. They're they're getting to your location at those times, but they're not bedding really close to it. I mean, they're they're coming there because we're close to a, a destina- destination feed field, you know, in the bottoms of soybeans. So, we're not going to be able to set up and miraculously these deer show up uh, in daylight on opening day. So we're, we're kind of wasting our time if we go set up on those particular spots and may blow those deer out of there altogether. I don't know. It's just uh, so, so plan B is, uh, you know, we do have some, some clover and chicory plots over there that look really good there, but you know, it, it's not really locations that, that you can, necessarily target mature deer early in the season for us i mean no they're they're late october first two weeks of november kind of spots yeah that's that's the way we've got them set up so i mean essentially i'm not feeling real confident over there for the opener like i have in years past but and and the ag situation in the bottoms is not good so uh it's 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 a, a struggle uh Harder than we've seen since we've been there. We didn't know how good we really had it in year one. Uh, year two was a bit of a step back. Year three was even tougher, truly. The deer sightings got better between three and two, but, you know, we didn't necessarily harvest all that much last year. And then this year, man, it's uh, it's a bit of a struggle, but it is. It's real world, like you said. And these are things that um, anybody that's truly hunting in a real world situation is going to run into because you're either on permission or, you know, you're sharing permission, which is something we're, yeah. we're doing on this property at this point, because the area we've moved into that we haven't hunted before is a shared portion of the farm. So, uh, it, it's going to be some unprecedented challenges and we have no idea what the results are going to be. 
No, we sure don't. And we we talked about it. Uh, I think it was a couple episodes ago. How last year for in the state of Indiana, it was a huge struggle for us. All of our places were getting hit hard with EHD, and you know, deer sightings were were really sparse. Shaping and up better. My gosh, it's like a coin flip, like a total one eighty. You talk about deer dispersal and moving, you know, deer moving into ranges where other deer didn't exist. That absolutely is the case on some of these Indiana farms that, that we're hunting. In particular, um, two of the farms hunted all year and had like three deer sightings. You could put a camera out there and let it soak for three, four weeks and have two or three different deer show up on this camera all the entire time it's out there. Now I'm getting pictures of six, eight, ten deer in one frame on those uh, same farms, you know, and it's... Um, it's amazing. It, it is, and part of that is because the you know the the real world beans are phenomenal this year on one of my farms in indiana i i mean i just can't by far uh the best bean plot that i have ever had and i cannot wait to see how things turn out there in the fall it's just amazing you're you're a late season man i I think you're set up for uh, an incredible fall particularly on that property because it's got a history of really producing the middle late part of november on into december so I'm anxious to see how that goes. You you really have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to properties this year because you acquired yet another that has shaped up and, and shown on camera to be pretty stellar. I mean, you, you've yeah. got two or three very, very good bucks over there. You had a good turkey season there. So uh, I think if you can keep any unwanted guests off of that one, that you'll be in good shape there as well. And then the, the lease that you and I share together is also an exciting proposition that we don't know as much about. You know, the camera intel there hasn't shown us as much, but we just got a Deadly Dozen plot put in there uh, about a week and a half ago, and I am super excited to see what that brings in. You know, and we've got something a little bit out of the box that's probably going to happen over there. We've got another spot that's going to be killed off and ready to plant, whether A, we borrow a tractor, or B, (laughs) get yours fixed. I still think that spot is worth trying to get planted just to try this experiment with the you know, two to three week difference in deadly dozen planting, just to see what it looks like. Even if we have to go out there with a garden tiller and make it work, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, it's it's got to go. That one's in. too close to home to not not put in. Yeah, so. it, it absolutely is, and I and I I think it's just really going to be a game changer for us. You know, that that's essentially an area that, you know, we don't have a lot of ag that was planted anywhere near it because the farmer just you know he just left, you know, around thirty acres he could have planted there, and it really. I don't know why he didn't plant it because there was ample opportunity. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's definitely something where we're going to have the ability to have probably more food than anyone around in the area is going to have. And we're going to have uh, probably I want close to four acres of deadly dozen there by the time it's all said and done, at least three Absolutely. anyway. And, uh, and and that's a lot for what the deadly dozen can bring you. I mean, you've oh, got yeah. all these a different lot of tonnage. ranges of palatability and, and the times that they're going to, really come into effect and then the fact that that you came up with the idea of well let's stagger the two plots and see what happens uh it's it's an incredibly exciting proposition to me the biggest challenge is being able to hunt all the wind directions so we have one tree picked out we just have to hang a stand in it uh and the other one there's not really a good tree over there so we may need to do an elevated blind scenario uh but the options if we can get the wind directions figured out could be really, really good for us. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Well, speaking of trees and uh, ways to get elevated above uh, your, your prey in the fall is 
obviously tree stand safety. And here as we roll into September, uh, that's Tree Stand Safety Awareness Month. And uh, the TSSA has done a great job the last several years led by Glenn Mayhew in uh, identifying something that really needed to change within the culture of of hunting. And it, deer hunters are, uh, all of them are really passionate about what they do. I, I don't know a single guy that hunts that isn't passionate about it. But you can only truly enjoy your passion when you're doing it safely. Now, they may disagree. They may say, hey, I've never worn a harness in my life, and I have all kinds of fun. You don't know how much more comfortable you are oh, yeah. until you put that thing on. And if you get to your stand an hour before daylight, dude, go ahead and take that snooze. Put your phone on vibrate. <laughs> you know, set your alarm, whatever you're not you going anywhere. Do. You're not going anywhere. You're going to be fine. Uh, but we're going to talk more about that. We're going to have Glenn on from TSSA, as well as somebody that's gone through uh, an unfortunate time in regards to a tree stand fall, but really come out on the other side ahead and, and with a great vision and, and pushing forward to do great things. So we'll be back here in just a second. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. <laughs> Hey everybody! Welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. We're uh, we're having a, a four way episode here. Obviously, Dave and I in the studio, and then we're joined by Glenn Mayhew of TSSA, and then Justin Lonclo of Spy Point. And, and Justin, you're joining us with a a bit of a, a special story. Um, and folks that may or may not be familiar with you, I, I want to open the floor up to you. Number one, by saying thank you for coming on, and and number two, ask you to explain how you and Glenn ended up knowing each other through the tree stand safety awareness and you know what it really means to you as a person sure well firstly it's my absolute pleasure to uh to share my story again and uh and that's my story is exactly how i met glenn uh i'm a, a tree stand fall survivor uh four years ago on july 16th is uh when it happened and uh i was working at a uh at a, a show I think the first one that I was doing was in New Orleans, and, and I met uh, Jay over at Hunter Safety Systems. was uh, the first real contact in the industry that I made sharing my story. It was just uh, really a couple months after the, the fall at that point, and uh, through Jay, I got hooked up with Glenn, and uh, you know it's been a fairy tale relationship since then. But um, you know, in July 16th, obviously there's there's no hunt season open, so I was uh, setting up my stands. And uh, I was uh, setting up lock-ons. I had my nine-year-old son with me at the time. And uh, I've, I've always been pretty religious about wearing a harness during hunting season. But uh, in my mind as a hunter, that was to keep me from falling out whenever I fell asleep. And notice I say whenever I fell asleep, not if I fell asleep, because uh, I've, I've had some pretty great naps in a, in a deer stand before. <laughs> so the, uh, the value of a harness was definitely there. Um, what wasn't there in my mind yet was the value at connecting every single time, um, because I had done and hung so many stands at that point in my life that, uh, I'd really come, uh, become complacent on just how fast it happens and, and just really how it can happen to anybody. It, it takes, uh, the blink of an eye, which is exactly what happened to me that day. I was, uh, hanging the, I think it was the fourth or fifth set of that day. Uh, you, you can picture mid-July, deep south Louisiana. Uh, I was soaking wet in sweat. I was exhausted. I had uh, you know, done it multiple times already that day. I can remember being in the lock-on about 22 feet up and uh, looking down at my son who was uh, clearing the lane for me with the machete and you know, saying, yeah, you're doing a good job, buddy. We're almost done, about to go home. And uh, the, the first step out of the lock-on 
uh, was on the very top of my sticks. That was the, the first mistake I made was hanging my stand above uh, the top level of where my sticks reached, which was 20 feet, I believe. Um, so I was having to rely on the tree to get in and out of my stand, which is a, a big, big no-no. And uh, so I had one foot on the top of my sticks and one foot on the platform still, and I was holding on to a branch. And when I transitioned my right foot off of that, uh, the lock-on platform and temporarily put my weight on that stick, uh, on that branch, it broke. Um, and I can remember at that point, everything went slow motion. And I, I remember leaning back and thinking, oh, my God, I'm falling. And then my next thought was, I need to kick the tree. And it, it was kind of a compilation of, I don't want to break my legs by getting caught up in this in the sticks. And also, I don't want to break my neck because I'm going to land on my head or on my back. So I kicked the tree, and it, the, the plan actually worked. Um, so I, I landed on my feet, which is what I was, you know, I guess, trying or hoping to do at that point, best case scenario in a in a millisecond uh, attempt to, to to analyze what the best case scenario was. Um, so I, I hit the ground, and uh, next thing I remember was waking up with my nine-year-old son sitting on my chest, pulling on my shirt, crying and screaming, Daddy, Daddy. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really just um, a, kind of a fog and um, kind of a, you know, just a, trying to understand what had just happened and uh i immediately uh i think the first words that came out of my mouth was you know i'm okay i'm okay and you know got him off of me and start patting my body to to see what's wrong and um long story short i i shattered my left femur um broke my hip uh tore tore a lot of soft um soft tissue in in the knee the ankles the the hip um, and, uh, we had a, we had a long few hours of, of trying to get out of the woods. Um, the good thing is that he was there with me or I would have laid in the woods all day and, and all night. Um, because the, my phone was on the four wheeler. So as a nine year old who had never driven a four wheeler, uh, in a place, uh, in a spot that he had never been, he, he had the, um, the man sized task. Uh, of going back and, uh, and and saving daddy pretty much, you know. So that was um, probably the most traumatic uh, experiences, um, part of it anyways, was, you know, involving him and, and having to rely on uh, my nine-year-old son to get me out. You know, that, that experience is really the way uh, I describe divorce. It's a lot worse when you've, when you've got kids involved. Um, <laughs> that day would have been a lot different for me um that day uh, you know with him out not being there uh, it, it would have lasted a lot longer for me but uh, I think the effects are much much wider spread because my son witnessed it and uh, you know the, the thing that's that still tears me up to this day is that um, I put my son in a situation to possibly watch me die and then to have to figure out how to save himself and uh, you know that would have that would have ruined him uh, mentally and emotionally. Um, I guarantee you, he would have never hunted, much less gone to the woods for the rest of his life, um, having experienced um, a traumatic situation like that. But um, I'm 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 here because uh, because he was there with me today, 
he's my little hero. His name's Carter. He's uh, he's 13 now. He'll be 14 in in November. And um, man, just what a it, having him there has really opened up a lot of uh, you know angles at looking at tree stand safety that I think a lot of us didn't look at before. Is and that's really what we're focusing on as an organization this year is that it's not just an impact on the hunter. It's an impact on your family and anyone that cares about you. Um, and that's, you know, my, my story shows that is, man, things like I, I had to have my wife bathe me for weeks after my first surgery, which is the first of, I've honestly lost track at this point. It's been five or six. Um, and, you know, there, there are guys that have suffered a much worse fate uh, than, than what I have, uh, including death. I've, I've talked to quite a few widows of men that fell from a shorter distance than I did. They just fell awkwardly or fell on something. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky to be alive, uh, and I'm, I'm blessed to be able to uh, share my story uh, to raise awareness of, um, you know, one, the danger and the impacts on the person falling, but really my, my passion is um, saving the, the families and the friends from the uh, negative life change that the hunter's complacency causes them. What's it like getting back in a tree now? And I'll tell you, I was in a tree that November. Um, it was, uh, you know, kind of those, those stories you hear of, you know, cowboys or cowgirls falling off a horse and the, the doctors tell them it's a, a career ending injury. It was, um, I had nurses and doctors ask me that day, you know, I bet you don't ever go hunting again. I was like, I, you don't know me very well. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was an immediate um, charge in my life that I had to go back, that I was not going to let my mistake, number one, ruin something for me that I love so much, but also take that away from my kids. You know, I've got, I've got three kids, two boys and a little girl, and uh, both boys hunt now. In fact, both of them um, shot a deer. Carter shot his first deer while hunting solo last year so that was a, a really big milestone for him but I wasn't going to allow my complacency to take away a lifetime of memories um, that we were yet that we had yet to build in the woods together uh, that's that's amazing uh, I commend you on your your dedication to to getting back up on the horse to use your analogy uh, what was the physical therapy like between July and November to get you back in the tree, that had to have been incredibly aggressive. So I, I did um, collectively. Honestly, I've probably got two years straight of physical therapy under my belt. I went to uh, three or four different physical therapists at this point. Um, you know, and and when I say back in a tree in November, that was a guy that I knew driving me up to the tree. There was no walking to it. Then um, I actually used the climber because I realized that I could left leave my, I couldn't bend my left leg at all. Um, at that point still, um, I was, I was non weight bearing for right at four months, uh, which you can do the math and realize that that <laughs> either gets me really closer into November. I would leave my left leg hanging off of that platform and I was climbing with just my right leg. Uh, cause I couldn't climb a ladder and I couldn't climb steps very easily. And, uh, Surprisingly enough, a climbing stand was was all I could do. I'm guessing you used a uh, safety harness when you got in the tree in November, Absolutely. right? <laughs> Absolutely. I had a, I had a harness on and a uh, climbing rope. I actually came up with a pretty good idea um, there. Is I was um, zip tying 
the climbing rope around the uh, the cable of the the climbing stand. It was a summit at that point. You know, they've got those nice thick steel cables, and if you zip tie the uh, or you know Velcro whatever the rope to that cable and then to your harness the way you're supposed to use it, it it's automatic so it doesn't get hung as you're climbing on the tree. I probably should have patented that before I said it out loud. <laughs> uh, man, it, it, it works really, really well, you know, and you can use anything to, uh, to do that. But that was a, uh, that was a technique that, that came out of necessity. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit. Obviously you went through an incredible physical hurdle there. Um, and, and it sounds to me like you're, you're very mentally tough. So you're able to, to clear that. Uh, how do you bridge you know, those challenges into the relationship you have with TSSA, how did that all come about? Well, I'll, I'll tell you something I said in a, in a board meeting the other day. It was pretty funny that uh, Glenn was, was um, you know, kind of bragging on the team, you know, our, our ability to, uh, to get a wide variety of things done because everyone on that board is an expert in their own field. And me being the, uh, the token fall survivor, I was like, well, I guess that makes me the expert at either gravity or falling out of a deer stand or something. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> I'm not an expert at any of the things that these, these other guys are. You know, but um, I just, man, Glenn, if you know Glenn, he has got just a, a shining personality, super nice guy, would give you the shirt off of his back. And, uh, you know, I think my story with uh, that involves Carter, you know, just caught his attention, and, and he immediately realized because of his passion um, for spreading awareness and, and saving lives that, um, you know, putting me in a spot that, uh, you know, would allow us to spread this message wider could really help save some lives. And uh, we just, you know, we, we grew as friends. And then uh, I think what it was this January, uh, they nominated me to the, uh, the board of directors with them. So I'm, um, you know, on full time supporting TSSA now. And uh, I've, I've been in full support since I fell, uh, I immediately knew that, um, you know, and was, I, I think the best word for it guys was convicted that, um, I, I didn't, I didn't feel, you know, as a Christian, I don't, I don't feel like anything, um, happens by accident. Um, the, the job that I have in the hunting industry today is I, I would not have it had I not fallen that day. Um, because I was given opportunities, um, while I was out of work to, um, show some things that I could do and it, it led to my job with spy point same thing with uh, my relationship and, and meeting Glenn is um, you know just just our, our our commonality of wanting to get this message out uh, we we grew in our friendship and then uh, when the opportunity uh, came for for them to have an expert at <laughs> at falling uh, that that was me so it's um it, it's it, it's it's weird to say this um, you know but but it honestly, um, has been a blessing to me. Um, you know, it, it's, it, I wouldn't do it over again by any means. Um, <laughs> but, but the Lord has, has really given some opportunity, um, and brought a lot of people into my life that, uh, that I really think what happened to me has, um, enhanced and grown and, and hopefully, uh, saved some lives along the way. Well, Glenn, I want to open the floor up to you. Obviously you've been on our show several times over the past few years and, and each year the numbers have gotten better and better and better, which shows uh, the vision that, that you and everyone at TSSA 
have had for the hunting industry has worked, and it's making a difference. Uh, what can you tell us about where we're at heading into September of 2020 versus where we were at when we had you on the show the first time back in 2017? Yeah, uh, first off, thanks guys so much for being one of our big supporters. You know, it, it, it takes um, – podcasts and shows and people just like pro talk uh, in order to make this all happen we can't do it by ourselves justin and i uh, we depend on on uh, shows like your own in order to help get that messaging out but yes we we've made tremendous progress but that progress is all due back to those just like yourself uh we as i said we could not do this on our own so we lean heavily on those others that have larger platforms to help us get the message of tree stand safety out there and to support our mission. So, yeah, if you if you look back, actually, let me, let me reframe things. We, this year, hit a major milestone. Uh, back when we first formed TSSA, the board set a goal, and, and at that point in time, it was a stretch goal. We realized what a tough goal it would be to, to attain to try to reduce the estimated number of tree stand falls that occur on a national level that require emergency department care by 50 percent by 2023. Little did we know in 2019, once we got all the information for 2019 back, that we had actually not only met that major milestone goal that we had set, but we surpassed it. So guys, I am super pleased to announce that we hit a 65% reduction uh, in 2019 of the estimated number of tree stand falls that uh, required emergency department care. That is huge. You know, Justin's been talking about families. Think about the lives and families. That reduction, what a difference that made has made across this country of ours. for those that love the great sport that we all love of going out there and going deer hunting and getting in a tree stand. That is, uh, you, you know, we, we get on here all the time, Glenn, and we talk about, um, you know, deer. I mean, we're talking about hunting deer and we're talking about tree stand placement and food plots and, you know, shooting our bows and things like that. But, you know, there's not a single subject that we cover all year long, bass fishing included or whatever, there's not a single subject that carries more weight than the conversations that we have with you uh, about tree stand safety awareness. And um, it's one of those things we visit mainly, you know, in the month of August, you know, prior to deer season. But it's one of those things, it doesn't matter when you're going out in the woods, whether it's uh, August or whether it's February, if you're hanging stands, I mean, you just got to be, you got to be connected. The ABCs always be connected, you know, uh, uh, and and that's something that sounds like Justin learned the hard way. I learned the hard way. I didn't I didn't have near as bad a fall as what Justin had, but my gosh, when you fall, folks, when you fall, it gets your attention. And please, I promise you, if you're listening to this right now and you're one of those people sitting back saying, "Eh, I don't have to wear those harnesses. I don't need them," I promise you, it's not if you will fall, it's when you will fall. You will have a fall. You'll have a day. That And it'll just happen out of the blue. You will never expect it's going to happen, but you'll find yourself at the bottom of a tree looking up if you're lucky enough to survive that fall. 
And I, I have to jump in and say this. I, I haven't fallen. Luckily, I, I took your advice and Glenn's and anybody else's and, and really got committed to this. But the amount of comfort that I feel being connected to the tree at all times is Game wor- changer. is worth even more than the, the Sitka gear that I wear now to keep warm. And I used to complain all the time about how cold I would get. And and obviously that that's even takes a back seat to this because it, once you've started wearing it and realize that mental security that you have, you'll never go back. Uh, I, I can't imagine. I, I, truly, I would rather forget my bow and get to the tree realizing I don't have it than to get there and realize I don't have my harness. Yeah, guys, you're exactly right. It's both a mental and a physical insurance policy. It really is. Uh, once, As you said, once you start using the harness and staying connected with one of the road safety lines, you'll never go back. It, it really makes a difference both mentally and physically in, uh, in how we hunt. But a couple points I want to bring up here, some of the things that you just mentioned. You know, we, we talk about lives impacted and who, who it is that falls. It's the people that, that as uh, Justin said, that, you know, he hunted all this way, all this way, he'd gotten complacent. It's those of us that are in our 40s, our 50s, and our 60s that maybe didn't grow up using a harness. Well, we didn't have harnesses back early in those days, but we never got accustomed to using them. And, you know, it's these age people, these are our family people. These are the ones that, that are married and have kids and also the impact that Justin talked about, man, it couldn't be any more on point because that's our whole focus now. Justin really helped us change our focus of, of um, our strategies and getting our messaging across because it really came to light once we started talking to him about we need to talk about not only the individual, but we need to talk about the family impact. So I've been using a hashtag, Connected for Family, um, as, as one of our hashtags we've been using in social media, because it is. It's not just about you. It's about your whole family and, and your friends. So I always say, you know, do those things. Do the ABC so you come home safe to your family and friends. And, and you mentioned a, a phrase there that actually – I have never used, but I'm going to steal it from you. And you said the ABC's tree stand safety always be connected. You know what? I've never said that. Have you not? Oh my gosh! Where did I don't know where I came up with that, but I was like, it it's, just sounded good. It's the uh, the fundamentals of selling hey, always be closing, folks. It, yeah. It's going down right now. Dave Barrett's ABC's to the TSA guidelines. Always be connected, folks. Right there. You heard it here first. The ego's swelling in the, in the <laughs> studio right now. Stuff's coming off the walls in here. Hey, the temperature in this room just went up like 10 degrees. Oh, my gosh. I'm on fire. Check, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know when new things are going to come to light. The other, the other thing I'll throw out there, you mentioned about hanging stands. We obviously talk about hunting from stands. You know, we need to wear a harness anytime. We're elevated. But that includes practicing also. I'm fortunate. I live in the woods, and I have actually two stands up in my backyard that I practice out of. I have a ladder stand and a, a, a hang-on stand. And I talk about perfect practice, and that perfect practice includes wearing your harness and staying connected even when I'm practicing. So you're practicing, hanging stands, taking stands down, or hunting from stands. Wear your harness and stay connected. So always be connected. ABC, baby. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Always be connected. You know, and I'll tell you something else that, you know, Justin, you mentioned this, you know, having your son with you. Um, JP and I do this a lot. You know, we, if we're going to move stands around or something, we try to always make sure that we're together when we do that, you know, or or someone's with us because, you know, if, if something were to happen um, while you're starting to put your stand up and you're not connected yet or you don't have that, uh, you know, that uh, – safety line installed on your tree stand yet and something happens you fall i mean it's it's nice to have somebody there to help you out yeah for sure and it's nice to to have someone that knows where you are that's that's one thing that i immediately put into place afterwards as well um on top of having someone there for instance if i'm doing tractor work now at the lease i don't do that by myself you know, working heavy machinery you can something can go wrong quickly but one of the first things i did uh i i no longer hunt on that lease that was um uh, one thing that I, I couldn't bring myself to do, I, I did visit that tree that I fell out of uh, as soon as I could, but uh, I left those woods in the bad juju there. Uh, but when I got to the new lease, one of the first things I did was take my wife and, and show her um, where I would be hunting just in case you know she would be the one to come get me. But I think the most important thing that I do now is uh, even if I'm hunting out of a ground blind, I text or call her when I'm back at the truck, and she knows what time I should be back at the truck. Uh, whether it's a, an evening hunt or a morning hunt, that way, if something does happen, I'm not laying there all night. You know, she'll try to call or text me first, and then send help if we need to. But you know, just little things like that that we really don't think about could save you a whole lot of trouble in the future. Oh, hundred, hundred percent. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I, a quick story here, and I'm going to share this one here. This is a, a friend of mine. I, I won't name him, but this happened to him like a couple years ago. I mean, a guy's in, in great physical condition. Okay, so he literally. Uh, and this is how quick and easy this can happen to somebody. He's in a climber, and he gets connected to the tree with the climber. I mean, he's not connected to the tree, obviously, but uh, he's got his climber on the tree. He takes literally like two climbs up. He hasn't even put his harness on yet, and he slipped a little bit, and his feet were in the stirrups still, and he literally falls backwards, and his weight is carrying him over the back of his oh. climber, and he's hanging upside down, and he literally has not got the strength, and his legs are caught. He can't get back up. He literally doesn't have the strength to get back up. So if you can imagine what he looks like, it's like a reverse scorpion almost. Yeah. Um, and he's hanging there. Fortunately, he had told his wife exactly where he was going to be hunting at. She knew the tree that he was going to be in. So her and his brother-in-law, her, her brother, they come out and find him. He had hung there for like five hours. Fortunately, you know, I mean, that could have been, I mean, he was nearing a, a position where he'd had too much blood go to his head, and it could have killed him easily. Uh, yeah, but yeah, his body's not designed for that. No, no. I mean, they came out there quickly and saved his life. He couldn't get to his cell phone or anything. So, and that, that's just one of those instances. That had they not known exactly where he was going to be at, he probably would have passed out, and it, it probably would have been a very different end of that story. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so guys, all this talk, you know what? I'm gonna and, and maybe next year we'll add this in, but we're gonna we're gonna change it to A B C D, and D being destination. That's, I like so that. Share, share your destination, and you know one of the things that I like to talk about now. Everybody likes to get get all the tools and new technology on their cell phone. There's a lot of great uh, hunting apps out there that have the mapping capabilities on there. And um, HuntStand is one of our great partners. I don't know if you guys 
through um, through your podcast or through your your show actually have have a partner like that. But some of those hunting apps, the mapping apps, have it so obviously you can um, pinpoint your actual stand locations, and then you can share that. You can share that with your significant other. You can share that with your hunting buddies at the properties that are on the lease with you so that they know, just like what you're talking about, they know where your stands are, and you can they can actually follow you. So uh, that's just a great tool to use. And anytime something bad happens, whether it's a fall, a medical emergency, or anything that happens, time is of essence. So the sooner and quicker they can find you, the, the better survivability you're going to have. So utilize some of your technology that you have in those apps to uh, help share what your destination is going to be, what your hunt plan is, and uh, I think Justin said it there, let somebody know what time to expect you. So, guys, before we wrap up here, I want to throw the floor open. What is the best way for hunters to, to learn more about what TSSA is doing, keep track of some of these statistics, and you know just, just stay on top of all the safety trends in the industry? Where can they follow that? Yeah, so... You can follow us through social media on Facebook, Instagram. You know, we've got uh, accounts out there you can follow us on on a regular basis. Uh, we also have resources on our website, uh, which is treestandsafetyawareness.org. And uh, you can go out to our YouTube site. We have a YouTube channel. And I'll just go to YouTube, try, type in Tree Stand Safety Awareness, and our, our YouTube channel will pop up. And there's all kinds of video resources there as well. So, uh, so we try to cover the various platforms, and if uh, nothing else, shoot me an email. Uh, it's treestandsafe at gmail.com, and uh, I'll be happy to follow up with you. Well, well that sounds great. Before, uh, Justin, before we let you go, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't give you an opportunity to talk about uh, Spy Point a little bit and what's going on there. Hey man, this is uh, this has been one crazy year. I, I think across the board for uh, for everybody and everything in every way, um, all the way down to I think what looks like two tropical storms about to be in the Gulf of Mexico at the exact same time. That's uh, that's just what 2020 does. This has been a great year for for spy points. You know, I think um, I think it's obvious to most guys in the in the outdoor industry that we are about to see what's probably going to be a, a record breaking year. Uh, for hunters entering the woods, uh, we had a couple real, uh, real neat new technologies hit the market this year. I, I think the probably the coolest thing that we've got is is something called the Cell Link. It's a uh, it's a universal cellular adapter. So we we tried to figure out, you know, most hunters have a I had a five gallon bucket I think of old trail cameras that I just didn't use anymore. They still work, but just regular SD card cameras. This adapter literally plugs into the uh, the SD card slot. It's got a cable that comes out of it and plugs into uh, the cell link unit itself. So you can turn any old cell camera or any cellular camera that, say, you know, d- doesn't have a good, uh, a, you know, a cheaply priced data plan or you know, lost the SIM card or whatever, you can turn any SD card camera into a cellular camera now and view the photos through the SpyPoint app. That's so really cool, and they're actually on sale right now for $49. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, I'm not sure yeah. I understand what you're saying, Justin. You have to back up a little bit here because yeah. are you saying that that I can take an old old camera that is just a run-of-the-mill, bottom-line, bottom-tier camera, yep. and then I can buy this $49 
thing from Spy Point. I'm not sure what you're calling. You said Link system. Is that what it is? Cell Link. Like Cell Link. Okay. Cell Link. Yep. And it'll plug into this camera, and all of a sudden, that camera now becomes a cellular camera. You got it. So if you let's let's say you've got some of these, uh, you know, twenty nine, thirty nine dollar jobs from you know Walmart. Even if you pick up a Tasco for twenty five dollars yep. from Walmart. Exactly. You can plug a Cell Link into it, and boom, you've got a cellular camera. That's that's unbelievably cool. Shut the front door, man. <laughs> I, I can't, can't get over it. I'm speechless. How come I didn't know that? Is this how come I have you guys released this? Is this on the market already? I, I know, right? We we've been holding it under a rock. It's actually uh, we're releasing on your show today. No one knows about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've man, we've sold a ton of these suckers. They're uh and, and just to be Where clear, have I been? How come I didn't uh, know this? You, you were at yeah, least at ATA this year, and I wasn't, so you don't have an excuse. Oh, my gosh. You really don't. That was um, that was one of the hottest things at ATA last year, you know, back before the, the virus. I'm going to blame that on Savannah because she had me running around looking at other things that didn't matter as much. Yeah, yeah so it's $59 regular price. That's a, uh, a promo that, we, that we're running this month, so there's only a couple days left. I don't know when this show will air, but uh, that will expire at the end of August. So it's, it's $59 everyday price which is unbelievable for cellular technology. You can remember three or four years ago, we were still in the three, four, five hundred $500 range for a standalone cellular camera. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not been long that, that that market has changed so quickly. Where do you see the, uh, the camera industry heading over the next couple of years? Do you think these, some of these cell cameras are going to dip down into under $100 and, and really you know, be quality at that level? Well, our um, our Link Micro is on sale right now at ninety nine dollars, and it it goes on sale uh, multiple times a year. It's regular price one forty nine. It's uh, it's under a hundred bucks right now, and uh, that has been our number one seller. And uh, I would I'm I'm pretty comfortable saying that is the best selling cellular trail camera of all time. We have sold an absolute ton of those things, uh, and it's the majority of what I run. You know, a couple of years ago. I was running one cellular camera, and I've got, uh, I think it's 14 or 15 out in the woods now. You know, so to answer your question, in a couple of years, the majority of hunters are going to be running only cellular trail cameras. It saves you time, it saves you gas, and it keeps you out of the woods and, and from stinking up your, you know, your core bedding areas and your home ranges of these big bucks that we're after. Oh, there's no doubt about that. JP's tickled that I got a couple cell cameras now that I'm running. So I'm I, I running. used to have to beat him away with a stick. <laughs> so so you you're running that many so if you're running that many cameras justin is there is there a way to get that on a network where you're not paying like uh i don't even know what the service fee is a month for for the spy points but say uh is there a way to get those all on the same um system so you're not paying like uh what i don't know if it's 15 dollars a month uh, for each camera or what yeah, so there's a couple of different options out there, and I'll just you know just speak to the entire market. There are a couple of options where um, you pay one price, and then it's just add a camera to it at a cheaper price. Um, we've done something slightly different, but we think makes it a little easier. Is we offer we were the first to offer truly unlimited photo packages, and we've got those for as cheap as ten dollars a month. So you don't have to worry about overages or or one of your cameras using too many of your photos. Um, or sharing photos with another camera. We just made Unlimited really cheap, and now with our new app, you can see all of your camera's photos on the same gallery. So running that many cameras at one time is super easy to, to manage now because you can see them all in one spot as opposed to scrolling through each individual camera. I like it. Amazing. 
I'm glad he finally got to the app, guys. That app is unbelievable that that, uh, that Justin's been the core person helping develop. It's unbelievable. Oh, thanks, Glenn. <laughs> well, guys, this has been pretty transcendent today. Uh, Justin, your story is harrowing. Uh, Glenn, obviously, you have done a tremendous job of, of heading the way for, for TSSA alongside you know, folks like Justin to – to really supplement what everybody is is about, um, and then obviously all this good stuff we're learning about about cell cams. It's a an action packed episode, and we want to thank you both for coming on. And uh, it's it's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, hang yeah, with us. You. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. All right, everybody, welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. Uh, pretty interesting. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say heartfelt. That's not the word. Just harrowing. Really, was the one that stood out in my mind. Uh, the way he tells that story and and the conviction in his voice when when he explains how important this stuff really is. Uh, he's speaking from experience. I tell you, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super impressed with Justin and and the passion that he has in the project right now. But I mean, I want to go. I want to go talk about Glenn for a minute. I mean, you know. Sure we were introduced to Glenn a few years ago and, and it was kind of at the birth of the TSSA. And that's, I mean, that's Glenn's, Glenn's kind of the brain child behind that. Or I don't know if I'm saying that right. If that's anyway, that's his project, you know, and, and um, mastermind, he's the mastermind. There you go. That some lofty goals to cut the, the tree stand incidents by 50%. And it, and I think they gave themselves till 2023, Glenn said. To do it as quickly as they have, yeah. The the way that we've seen that organization grow and the way that we've seen the entire outdoor industry get behind that organization, uh, along with social media, and you see a lot of folks just start pushing the idea of tree stand safety. And I just love to see where that's going. I mean, it's... um. You know, you can you can talk a lot of negatives about um, media in the outdoors, and there's a lot of guys on social media talk bad about uh, the the hunting videos that are out there, and the celebrities are you know so the professionals, so to speak. But this is one thing they've nailed; they've been spot on, mm-hmm. is supporting this move for safety and and making sure you're staying connected and getting home safe every night after you hunt. And I, Glenn's behind this, and he's made a big push. So I. You know, I really do appreciate what he's done. Hashtag connected for family is uh, the message he's putting out this year. Every year there's been a, a little bit different marketing spin on it, but when it comes down to it at the end of the day, spin or no spin or catchy phrase or no catchy phrase, uh, falling out of a tree is bad. I think we can all agree on that. And uh, you don't want to fall out of a tree. You don't want your buddies to fall out of a tree. And uh, you don't even want that uh, asshole neighbor that runs all the deer off to fall out of the tree either because you're just not that kind of person. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, you know, something that came in my mind. <laughs> you wouldn't expect me to say asshole neighbor, <laughs> No, I can't you? believe you said that, man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, something that kind of came to my mind, and, you know, I'm old school. You know, I'm back, you know, Glenn mentioned it, you know, this back before we had harnesses and You put the old in old or whatever. School. Yeah, so I, he mentioned, you know, always make sure someone knows where your stand is, where you're at. And I'm like, you know, if you, you don't tell your family, tell your hunting buddies. I'm thinking – Man, growing up, you didn't know why you're telling your hunting buddies where your stand is. You're like, yeah, you, you may be hunting here by the, 
you know, by the clover plot, but you're going to tell them you're way back in the pine thicket. You, know? oh, yeah. you don't want to give up your sweet spots, you know. But <laughs> That's no, a you, good point. It's important, folks. Let people know where you're at because uh, all it takes is one incident, and you're going to really wish that somebody was coming to save you. You know, and, and I think you and I have done a really good job, even when we're not hunting on the same property. We can be in two different states hunting on the same day. And we, for the most part, know where each other are going to be. Yeah. And, and and I don't think it's been as much by intention of safety as it is just kind of talking it out from a, a team perspective. But, uh, you know, that is one good side benefit of that is I pretty much yeah. know where all your stuff is. And I know you know where all my stuff is. So Yeah, so, you know, if uh – you know, if there's ever a time whenever we stop communicating for well, a long period of time. I have like, harassed hey. you on, on a couple occasions because I felt like you weren't getting back with me quick enough after dark. I, <laughs> yeah. I got a that little concerned. That's true now that you mention it. so That is true. Well, guys, it's it's been an eye-opening episode. Obviously, there was a little tidbit there at the end about cell cams. Uh, if you want to know more about that, hop on uh, either Facebook or Twitter or just Google Get into Spy Point's website. I'm sure you can find Justin via social media. We didn't give him an opportunity to, to put his handle out uh, for that, but shame on us. We'll, we'll find a way to get that in the link for this episode. And uh, big thanks to him for sharing some, some tips and pointers and where he thinks the industry's headed there as well. Yep. All right, guys, it's been a good episode. We're rolling into September. Things are about to, to really hit the ground running, so we're looking forward to having some really, really strategy-centric episodes uh, from now until really mid-late November when we start transitioning into some uh, some other things. So uh, we really appreciate you all tuning in. Until next time, hook em or hunt em, Pro Talk Outdoors. Later, guys. Mm-hmm.